Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning, it's 8.30 on Tuesday, July 19th. I'm Kevin Farrell, in for Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, nearly all clinical abortions in Mississippi are banned, but a collection of billboards in the capital city point to alternative solutions. Then, it's hurricane season for the Gulf South, and many along the coast are thinking ahead about how to be prepared, plus the rising cost of farming catfish in the Magnolia State. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Pink House, once the center of the clash over abortion rights, now sits vacant. The furniture and equipment have been moved to a new clinic in Las Cruces, New Mexico. As Don Dursis, the owner of the Jackson Women's Health Organization, says, the building that housed the state's only abortion clinic has been sold. Since the Dobbs decision overturning Roe, a 2007 Mississippi law banning nearly all clinical abortions has taken effect. But several billboards around Jackson now display information on how Mississippians can access to abortion pills, which remain legal in all 50 states. It's the work of Mayday Health, a health education nonprofit. Mayday's Olivia Raisner shares more on the billboards and the effort with our Kobe Vance. You can ban abortion clinics, but you can't ban information. Um, and so, you know, our goal in putting these billboards up is, is to remind people in Jackson and everywhere about safe, effective abortion pills that everyone can access by mail in all 50 states. What abortion pills are available to, to Mississippians and what are some of the things that they would have to do to ask their doctor or find a physician to uh, to get those? Yeah, so I mean, we Mayday does not provide medical advice. Um, we simply provide information about what these pills are. I mean, one in 10 Americans do not even know that these pills exist. And those who do often confuse them with Plan B. Plan B is an emergency contraception that you can use you know, only up to a week after intercourse. Um, Plan C, abortion pills, are 99% safe, 97% effective in the first trimester, and they lead to fewer hospitalizations than Tylenol. I mean, it's no wonder they've been FDA-approved um, for decades. And so, you know, the message we want Mississippians to know is that these pills are safe, they're effective, and, and you can access them by mail. What makes these pills still accessible when abortions in clinics have been uh, banned in Mississippi? Yeah, so these 
abortion pills um, are something you can access through the mail. And we walk through those steps at our website. We also link at the top of our website to a, the Reproductive Legal Healthline, which offers free private legal advice um, from experts in the reproductive health space to walk through some of those concerns. You know, but at Mayday, we're, we're providing information about these pills and how to access them. What do you all see as the importance of having these billboards up across the metro area and helping people understand what resources are available? Yeah, I mean, look, again, you, you can ban abortion clinics like the Supreme Court did, but you cannot ban information. Mayday wants to ensure that everyone in all 50 states, you know, especially in states with abortion bans where clinics may no longer exist, that these pills are accessible, safe, um, and they, you know, we want to empower pregnant people to be able to make the best decisions about their own reproductive health. I know you mentioned the Tylenol factor earlier, but can you speak more to the safety aspect of these pills and, you know, what concerns maybe you all have heard in the past that people have um, when regarding these medications? Yeah, I mean, these medications are 99% safe, 97% effective. You know, in fact, in countries overseas, they're actually sold over the counter, which speaks to the medical consensus on their safety and their efficacy. Um, they're FDA approved, and everyone deserves to know that they exist. Do you think there's going to be challenges in the coming uh, months to years uh, trying to prevent these pills from being able to be delivered by mail? You know, I, I can't speak to the legal aspect of this landscape. Um, again, there are phenomenal resources that anyone who visits our site who has questions um, about the legal perspective can visit the Reproductive Legal Healthline and get incredible free private advice um, from experts. You know, we're in the business of providing information, and we just want to make sure as many people as possible have it. What is, goes behind the scenes to getting that information to people? Um, and how often do people reach out to you all to be able to find resources, um, ask questions, uh, whether it be about the medications themselves or the legal ramifications of these medications? Yeah, I mean, right now we're seeing that people are sharing our information. We reached 25 million people in 48 hours um, with, with information about what these pills are and how to access them through mail. Um, when it comes to, to questions about legal advice or medical advice, you know, those are where visit, site visitors can go um, to the resources at our website. Um, we're simply providing, you know, information about what these pills are and how to access them. How, what would be your, if somebody were to come to you and ask, how do they, how can they access them? What would be your advice? Um, what are some of the most common ways people can access these medications? Yeah, so, I mean, even if you live in a state um, with an abortion ban, you can set up a mail forwarding address in a state where abortion is legal um, and get these, these safe, effective pills shipped right to your doorstep. What would be your advice to somebody wanting to share this with another friend or a colleague that they may have that, or just how people can continue the efforts of making sure people are aware that these medications are available? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the First Amendment still stands. I guess the jury's still out about what the court will say about that next year. But all this information um, on Mayday's billboards, our graphics, on our website, 
it's it's First Amendment protected free speech, and everyone should feel free to share that um, to as many people as possible. We we at Mayday hope that Mississippians know they still have options. Um, there may not be a an abortion clinic in your state, but it is possible for you to access safe and effective abortion pills in Mississippi, no matter where you live around the country. Olivia Raisner is with Mayday Health. Coming up, it's hurricane season for the Gulf South, and many along the coast are thinking ahead about how to be prepared. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell. Forecasters predict yet another above-average hurricane season this year. Carly Berlin at our partner station, WWNO in New Orleans, sat down with a few residents there to hear about how they're preparing. And some of the ideas just might surprise you. This was a portable water kit. When it comes to hurricane prep, Howard Rogers III sticks to the essentials. This is a tarp. A whistle. He's the executive director of the New Orleans Council on Aging and reminds people to make copies of important papers like insurance documents and birth certificates. I personally have a big plastic box that I have in a duffel bag. So when it's time to evacuate, all I do is grab the duffel bag and throw it in the, in the car. He also tells the seniors he works with to keep a list of all their medications and a week's supply of each on hand. Prescription medicine, next to kin, and have some cash. You really need to bring a toothbrush and a toothpaste and lots of clothes. Wesley Coleman is just seven years old, but has already been through some big storms. Last year, during Hurricane Ida, she evacuated for the first time. I'm just scared for it to flood, so I just put all my stuff that I really like on my bed. This year, Wesley's mom is making sure she and her sister pack their own bags in case they need to leave to help give them a sense of control in a stressful time. Can you show me some of the stuff that you have gathered? My favorite jumper. That's really cute, and my Auntie Dawn bought it for me for my birthday. Lynn, Wesley's mom, blogs about parenting. She says it's important for her to share her preparedness plans to help her kids feel safe. Now it seems like it's just more because of the climate change. We have to evacuate more, which means the kids are getting more familiar with it. After the last few years of record-breaking hurricane seasons on top of the pandemic, One group is encouraging people to focus on some of the bright spots. At first, people are like, wait, what? (laughs) That sounds, that's a wild idea. That's Klee Klebear, the executive director of Imagine Waterworks, a mutual aid and climate justice group. They're helping people identify good memories from past storms and encouraging folks to factor those into their plans. 
If the memory is of a barbecue, maybe it's having a grill ready to go. I have another memory of bathing in a swimming pool after Katrina with a lot of my friends. So that prep tip would be like locate a pool right now that you can all share. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that you own. What as a community do we have access to? For Klee, one of those good memories is playing music with their dad during a power outage. So they always make sure to have their guitar handy. It's just like such a feeling of peace, actually, and there are so many of those moments that actually happen in the middle of the storm and after a storm. Um, and so they exist, and I'm trying to find more of them for folks and help other people find that, too. In New Orleans, I'm Carly Berlin. The story was produced by the Gulf States Newsroom, a partnership among public media stations in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Coming up, the rising cost of farming catfish in the Magnolia State. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. We know you love MPB Think Radio to stay informed, but sometimes you need a little music to relax and unwind. MPB Music Radio has a variety of genres and is with you all the time on the MPB Public Media app right on your mobile device. Bluetooth it in the car or pop in your earbuds and take a listen to MPB Music Radio. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell. Catfish, perhaps second only to the blues when it comes to Mississippi Delta exports. Mississippi farmers account for up to 60% of the catfish raised in the United States, and the Delta is the heart of catfish country. But a combination of factors are leading to challenges within the industry. Inflation is creating higher feed costs, and hot summers are slowing growth. Jimmy Avery, aquaculture professor at the Mississippi State University Extension Service, breaks down the state of catfish with MPB's Michael Gidry. We typically now come in somewhere in 7th to 10th, place when you look at ag commodity uh, prices that's probably down from our high of uh, probably as high as number four um, 10 years ago uh, when we had much more acreage. Mississippi is in a lot of ways synonymous with catfish especially uh, the delta area and as we've seen over the last 18 months uh, to 24 months uh, rates of inflation and, and how that's affected supply chain issues. How are Mississippi's catfish farmers uh, feeling the effects of the last 18 months? When Where are they most impacted? Well, they're most impacted on cost of production. So if you look at items like uh, feed, and feed makes up over 50% of their production costs. And as you've seen, grain prices go up since our feed is grain-based, that means our feed prices are, are going to go up. So we're probably at record highs uh, in terms of uh, feed prices, uh, but we're also at record high, you know, in terms of fuel. 
uh, labor is still a concern, uh, primarily through the uh, processing plants uh, and somewhat through the feed mills. Uh, I think most of our farm labor has stabilized within the last probably uh, six months, but uh, costs are up across the board. Uh, of course, not only for catfish, but all ag commodities. Is the Retail price of catfish going up as well to make up for the rising costs that farmers are, are, are facing on the production side of things? We certainly have seen a increase in price of catfish at both at the retail level, uh, primarily looking at restaurants, but also at the retail level uh, in our grocery stores. So where in the past we might have seen catfish stabilize somewhere around $7 per pound, uh, we're up to probably over $9 per pound uh, in most of our uh, grocery store chains. How much of a direct pipeline is there um, from the, the farms in Mississippi to the processing era, plants in Mississippi to the restaurants and, and grocery stores in the state? And is there a competitive influence from outside of the state that that impacts our, our, our farmers here in Mississippi? Well, if Mississippi accounts for somewhere between 50 and 60 percent of the total catfish production in the United States. Uh, we are an exporter of both, uh, you know, our small stocker fish, our fingerling catfish, you know, to our neighboring states that uh, uh, have production. Um, but we're also a um, value-added product. Uh, producer as well. If you look at the fact that we process uh, almost, well, we process all of our fish within state. There's a very small percentage that either gets sent uh, to states like Louisiana or Alabama to be processed, but we actually import fish into the state to be processed as well. So we've got that processing sector. Uh, We also have our own uh, feed mills in the state, so we're producing that feed uh, that's going into our catfish, uh, and then we've got you know service companies that specialize in aquaculture uh, as well. So we're kind of a um, revenue generator for a lot of other industries uh, besides just the catfish production side. Of course, there are the economic factors that are that are that are driving um, some of the challenges catfish farmers are facing, but the hot summers are also. Uh, a, a challenge as well. How do prolonged periods of, of heat hinder the the harvesting of catfish? Well, and in fact, not only harvesting, but just the actual growth of these animals and the cost to grow these animals as well. Uh, under these high prolonged uh, temperatures, uh, our catfish simply don't eat as well. Okay, they're stressed. Uh, so they're not they're cutting back on their feed intake. So so we are not able to produce the amount per day as we go along through the summer. Uh, also, uh, hot water doesn't hold as much dissolved oxygen as cooler water. So it means our farmers have to go out there and and provide more oxygen through either electric or diesel powered uh, aerators. Uh, so it's uh, more man power out there to keep these fish alive uh, throughout the night and the fact that we are just not producing as much fish and the fish are being stressed. 
how does algae control play into the, the overall process of catfish farming? There's a, an algae or cyanobacteria that produces one particular compound that is absorbed by our catfish. It's a musty type flavor and it's uh, rejected by all of our catfish processors. So our, uh, it, it grows during the summer months. So before we can, so roughly about 50% of our fish every year are determined to be off flavor. Uh, and so we'll, we'll go in there with a small amount of uh, EPA registered herbicide uh, at like in one part per billion and kind of control those algae so that our fish can go ahead. Once we stop the production of that algae, then the fish can go ahead and clear their bodies of that uh, all flavor, and we can get them to harvest. So most of that problem is is during the summer, but unfortunately, if we don't get them kind of cleaned up before we go in the winter time, they don't purge those flavors very fast during the winter time. So they can continue to be all flavor into the next spring. How how are all these factors compounding right now? Um, and it, is there a kind of a light at the end of the tunnel? Well, kind of the light at the end of the tunnel tunnel would be some type of, you know, either breaking the temperature. You know, we would typically get that uh, probably sometime in uh, mid-September. We'll start seeing these cold fronts come through, and so we'll start getting some relief uh, from all these combined environmental pressures uh, at one time. Of course, as, as things begin to cool off, it also means that we'll be uh, feeding a little bit less, so it means we're spending less money on uh, feed. Uh, by month as we progress as well. And is there anything else about the, the, the state of the catfish industry in, in Mississippi uh, that I haven't asked you about but that, that you feel is important to articulate? Well, you know, we have definitely gone through a downsizing of this industry. So, I mean, we were at a high of probably 112,000 acres at one time, and we're down to about 34,000 acres now. So, uh, and I believe that we have really stabilized that acreage over the last probably nine years. Uh, so we're just vacillating around this 34, 35,000 acres. But if you look at our production, our production has increased on a per acre basis significantly. Uh, is there anything that uh, contributing factors to, to the, the reduction of acreage over the last, uh, oh, you said decade or so? Real drivers behind that have been increased foreign competition by uh, cheaper imports, uh, the high price of feed, and uh, probably just the economic advantages of other commodities. In other words, we've seen some diversification into corn prices or other grain commodities. Well, thank you so much, Jimmy Avery an aquaculture professor at the Mississippi State University Delta Research and Extension Center in Stoneville. Thank you so much for all this information. Okay, thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.